Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we got an interesting topic. How are saints made? That's right. We're going to look at the canonization process of the Catholic Church and look at all the steps how a person goes and becomes canonized a saint in the church. So from servant of God all the way to sainthood, we're going to teach you all of the steps. This is a great topic. I mean, we're going to be going through this with you, Father uh, Hanky. You know, I mean, this is something that we can expect from you. Yeah. That's right. Once, you know, he kicks it and we we bury him in the secret location we've agreed to bury him in. We I'm pulling out him. my Hanky now. That's right. We zoom him and there's all Hankies Well, there. we're going to be the only one who knows where his incorrupt body is buried. So this is the process that it's going to have my to go through. Corrupt body. I'm just hoping to go right into the dirt behind the rustic altar. That's all I'm asking. Let's be honest. Your body's already a little bit corrupt. It is. <laughs> Especially your knees. They're going to look at your knees like, there's no way this cat's a saint. These and things they're going to be reviewing all of the materials that we've produced over the last 200 plus episodes. And so we. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, the council for the canonization of saints are going to give me a wholehearted downward uh-huh. thumb. I just want to make it into heaven. And I think that's a really good point. You know, anybody who makes it into heaven is a saint. That's right. What yeah. we're talking about with the canonization of saints are those who are recognized in the calendar of the church and given the right to be, you know, named a church or maybe a school. So it's it's appropriated to that sense of like an outstanding sense of virtue, and the church recognizes that and celebrates that with the community. And we want to give you recognition, full recognition, possibly to become a saint by just clicking the subscribe button and that little bell on the YouTube. Be our saint. <laughs> That's a very good point. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, click the bell, give us a thumbs up, and spread the good news of the Catholic Talk Show all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're on Commutes, if you don't have a, t- a time to watch us on YouTube, we're on every type of podcasting forum from iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and most especially, Podbean. That's right. <laughs> so I think it is a good distinction you made that anybody, according to Catholic theology, who is in heaven is a saint. Mm-hmm. But the difference that we're talking about today is that canonization process, right? Who are people who the church officially and authoritatively declares to be in heaven to whose intercession we can seek, okay? Now, initially... That doesn't mean that they're exhaustive, right? I mean, there's saints in heaven that we've probably never the The, 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 the vast majority of the people in okay. heaven we've never heard of. And, and that's why we have a feast and solemnity like all saints. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because, you know, we're recounting the saints that are in the calendar, yes, but even more appropriately for that particular solemnity, we're focusing on all of the saints, the countless saints that we don't know yet. No. And I say yet for a particular important point, because what we will enjoy in the communion with one another that Jesus wants to see in the midst of the church, that kind of prophetic foretaste of what is coming, that's where our true communion and our oneness is realized in the marriage with the bridegroom that is Jesus marriage. Christ. Marriage. So, so what we celebrate in heaven is it's the mystical marriage <laughs> of the great crowd of witnesses, <laughs> as mentioned in the Bible in the book of Hebrews. <laughs> so I think a good place to start is that there's four basic steps, and we'll start with the basic here. There's four basic 
uh, I guess, different titles that a person goes through before they become a saint. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the most important step is into the ground. So first and foremost, you gotta you gotta die. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, be dead. You, yeah, be dead. You do. This is post mortem here, people. Because <laughs> yeah, we are Thanks not. Thanks for clarifying uh, that. Yeah, no problem. No we problem. don't. We don't believe in one saved, always saved. You can lose your salvation. I mean, if you lived a life of a perfect sainthood, and then all of a sudden you make crack rabbit stew. <laughs> Yeah, you, get, you get the old Bounsky from the old I know that gates. that's going to be your temptation, Shield. It is. <laughs> we all know how you're tempted. Yeah, so when it's my feast day, everyone's going to make crack rabbit stew. <laughs> oh, the patron saint of crack rabbit stew. <laughs> okay, so those four different titles, why don't you go over those and mm-hmm. just, you know, because I think this is a really cool thing that not everybody knows. Yeah, and this is going to give a structure for the show. So these four steps... First starts out, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is servant of God. Then servant of God enters into the state of being venerable. Now the congregation and the church is called to pray through the intercession of the venerable, to Mm -hmm. explore the possibilities of Mm -hmm. miracles. And we'll get more deeply into this as we go through Mm -hmm. each of these stages. And then finally, venerable moves to the beatification, so one would be called blessed Mm -hmm. with one miracle, and then two miracles to move to the state of being a saint. Mm -hmm. Saint John Paul II, as all of us in recent memory remember, he was beatified, so we were calling him blessed John Paul II for a while. So now Saint John Paul II went through these stages from venerable, from servant of God to venerable all the way up through beatification to canonization. Now, an important point, you know, historically speaking, you know, it was really a spiritual popularity contest for many years leading up to the Middle Ages. That's right. Where it was really Santo Spirito, right? So we heard that even at the death of John Paul II. The people of God cried out in St. Peter's square, Santo Spirito, Santo Subito, which means make him a saint right now. So that practice is still in the church today for over 2,000 years. But for leading up to the Middle Ages, what they did was they just kind of responded to the people's cult, culture, essentially, Mm -hmm. surrounding this person's impact in Christ and in the community life. But then as time went on, when they started to evaluate the historicity of these people's lives, a lot of legends were attached to them. So it was really hard to identify what were their virtuous deeds. And then in the Middle Ages and then on, we really started practicing more detailed this approach that we're going to yeah, share. Yeah, there is no formal process of the yeah. exploration of light of, of love, St. Peter, yeah. we, you know. So this really happens, like you said, much later. So, you know, let's let's look at that first step, you know, servant of God, right? So obviously you got the old gestorben, you got X's on your eyes and you're in the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Now people start to say, okay, this person really seemed to be a paradigm of holiness, right? So what would happen first is that there would be an exploration of their life. And then the church would give an official recognition by the Pope of the life of a, of a heroic Christian life. And that's when they get called a servant of mm-hmm. God. And, and first and foremost, there has to be some committee or group of people mm-hmm. that are presenting to the local ordinary, which means the local bishop, that this person should be considered 
for the opening of the cause of canonization. So now when you open the cause of canonization, that needs to come from the bishop, as Sheila's sharing, and goes to the church for a formal process to begin. That's right. And then that opening of the cause of canonization is celebrated with a liturgy by the local ordinary and potentially by local bishops from surrounding dioceses. So we opened up the cause of canonization for the Florida martyrs, for example. Mm -hmm. And that opening was celebrated at a place where, oh, it was beautiful, in the panhandle where one of those initial churches and gatherings, the ecclesias, of, of some of these saints that are considered martyrs in that period of time through Florida persecutions. Mm-hmm. So that opening is celebrated with the liturgy, and we had the Florida bishops there, and we're, we're ready to move this, uh, right. this process through. I had the uh, amazing blessing of being at the Archdiocese of New York, where Cardinal Timothy Dolan was formally uh, processing Father Paul Watson for the Atonement Friars, uh, as a servant of God, which he is uh, today. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were boxes and boxes and boxes of letters and letters and letters and personal encounters and all these things that they had aggregated uh, at the Atonement Friars to bring to this review board. And then that review board reviewed what would be needed to go. But the really cool thing was they sealed uh, with hot wax mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the bishop's seal they sealed every single box that was being sent to Rome. It was really a neat experience. I think that is the the process of opening up a servant yeah. of God, and that not o- just a liturgy, it, but it's also a there's an official uh, process. Yeah. yeah, there is a process, and it and it's in collaboration with all of the bishops and and Rome. So you know, like this this appeal, and I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, this is a, a formal process. And and it's done in a very scientific manner, yes. which we're we're about to get into. But it's also done in a biblical manner, mm-hmm. because servant of God is actually referenced nine times in Scripture, and even in the Book of Revelation. And you know, to to realize that a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, that would be the utmost important role of how we ought to live our lives on earth, and we should be striving for sainthood. And being a servant of God is the way to start that process. You know, I like that you pointed out with the Florida martyrs that the vast majority of the canonization processes start local. Because one of the things they really want to see is that there's a local devotion. Because yes. it's that, That's right. that um, <clears throat> you know, solidarity that there is a local devotion to this particular person or in an instance of, uh, you know, a group of martyrs, these people. Now... Like you said, what will happen is that the local bishop will open the official cause for canonization. That doesn't mean that they're opening up them for consideration for sainthood. Right. Just the whole process kicks off with the bishop opening that up. And like you said... Or permitting a religious order, in this particular case, to open it up mm-hmm. and to gather right. the information to be presented. And that permission is narrow. One of the one of the conditions that you cannot do when you open up a cause of canonization is to create, you know, like sacred images to be displayed mm-hmm. to almost reference right, right, this right. particular person or groups of people as saints for public devotion. Take it easy. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> that that can happen more, you know, a little bit later when we get into the process as as we move from first step into second step. That's right. So when that causes open, the bishop, like you said, they take all their writings, they take all their testimonies, they box them up. And then if there's no objection, 
then they then they get that uh, declaration of that they lived a life of heroic virtue. It doesn't mean that they're a saint. Right. But then that's that officially starts the process, and then they are declared a servant of God. And and, and it's commonly recognized that um, when this process starts, after they work with, there's a, a, a committee also in Rome, a, uh-huh. a canonization, I guess, a dicastery or whatever you want to call it. And and then they then they begin the process of reaching out to those who, um, you know, just kind of knew Father Paul and, and knew this person who can be saying. And then they start praying uh, for the, their canonization. They start praying uh, in with intercess, intercessory prayers because that's the process of saying, "Hey guys, look, we're we're starting this process, and, mm-hmm. and let's uh, you know call on his intercession." Now you said that you know how he wax sealed everything and put it in a box. Mm-hmm. There's an official name for that. That's the I hope I'm pronouncing this right because my Italian is not great, yeah. nor is my Latin, but the Positio, right? So it's basically this is the posit. We're we're posing Positio. this question. Positio. Yeah. Uh this sounds much better coming from Positio. you. <laughs> so what happens then is they 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 accumulate all the stuff and they send it to the congregation for the cause of the saints. Now it's now called the dicastery because oh. the Pope changes changed all of the congregations to now being called dicasteries. Same function, same organization. It's just a semantic change. Mm. So then the postulator is the one who goes and collects all this, gives it to the bishop, submitted to the cause. Now, what happens is nine theologians will review the Father Rich, the Pazitio. 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 And they vote or they vote to approve or deny the cause. Or the cause. So there's right. nine of them. There's like a board. And they say, okay. We're looking through all this. Is this even worth going, right? You know, I mean, they can they can open it up and they can just see, you know, here's this guy's recipe for crack rabbit stew and here's him, you know, <laughs> beating up a homeless ah, person. How did I get in there? Uh, yeah, how did they get in there? Right, let's just take this, put it in the shoebox, and this goes in the closet. This case is closed. Now, but if they vote and it's approved, the Pope will then move them to the next step, which if the if this the dicastery of the cows of the saints uh, accepts this, they are then declared venerable, right? And that now means that you can have a little bit of more formality around asking for um, wonder, prayers, asking for intercession. Yeah, because yeah, because if you think about it, they're in that process right now with That's Father right. Paul, and it could take years. It but, could take but, years. But they have not released a prayer for intercession. They've reached a prayer. They have a prayer for the canonization of Father Paul of Graymore. I would imagine after they go through that process and become venerable, at that point you would probably issue a prayer for intercession. Intercession. I think that's the case, and I think that's a good distinction that right now you could pray for the canonization of Howard, right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, not. I think we should open up that cause because he's a very saintly guy. We give him a hard time, and he is always exhibiting such virtue. Heroic you know, virtue. I mean, Catholics, Catholics all around the world, number one app is Hallow. So maybe we ought to talk to them about uh, prayers for Howard's canonization. I'm sure that would be a spiritual blessing. And, and since everybody. Howard is a man of so few words, I mean, really, it could just be an image of Howard's face on an icon, and people could pray with well, it and know, see if there's any favors. They have 5,000 different gui- <laughs> guided audio prayers, and his could just be, yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Rolling cameras for 20 minutes, and then you Howard, really... come on the come on screen real quick. Let, let the people see your beautiful, majestic beard and face. <laughs> Would you not want to pray with this face right here? Now, one, one piece of bad news, Howard. 
You got to be dead. You have to be dead. <laughs> but not just dead. You have to be dead for five years. Uh, now, only the Pope can waive that waiting period. You have to be dead for at least five years. Now, you look like you've only been dead for about three. So you've got, <laughs> you've got two more to go, buddy. <laughs> you got it. Go back in your corner. Okay. Okay. All right. This is brought to you by Hallow. Okay. So, you know, the whole sense of, of waving, you know, the Pope has the right to wave. This was done He's with the Pope. John Paul do II. Yeah, so. John Paul II did this for Mother Teresa, you know. And Mother Teresa's a saint? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. And then also Pope Benedict did it for his predecessor, St. John Paul II. That's right. So, you know, the Holy Father does withhold you know, that, that right to be able to waive and All expedite the process. Yeah. Martyrdoms expedite yeah. the process as well. Yeah. Yep. So now that a person's a venerable, now they go out and they start to seek miracles. They see, they, okay, they've already kind of established the person led a good, heroic life of Christian An virtue. Outstanding, virtuous That's life. Right. And, and, and then it opens up devotion to the servant of God, particularly right. seeking a favor. That's right. So one of the, one of the, you know, most recent causes that has really caused a lot of traction of conversation within the Catholic world is the cause of canonization of Fulton J. Sheen. That's right. And as a servant of God, this was, this was a prayer that was, uh, you know, penned in, in relationship. So this kind of gives you an idea. Um, and I invite you to, to pray this along with me. And if you have an intention uh, at the moment when we mention our requests, mention this request through the intercession of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. This is the example and prayer. Eternal Father, you alone grant every blessing through your divine Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You use the life and work of your servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, as your holy instrument. He inspired vast numbers of Catholics and others of goodwill to grow in virtue, lead lives pleasing to you, and humbly serve their brothers and sisters in need. If it be according to your will, Eternal Father, glorify your servant. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, by granting the favor I now request through his prayerful intercession. And now we mention in the silence of our hearts, our intentions. I offer this prayer confidently in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, a point that I want to make about this, you know, when we look to ask for intercession from a saint or a venerable, a blessed, one who's beatified, it is always by the power of God that God provides for the miracle or a favor. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to Catholic teaching and is very doctrinal in that respect. So what is the saint doing? Mm -hmm. The saint is interceding, lifting up prayers. And what it shows in confidence is that this particular person that we are seeking intercession from in particular is in the presence of God. And being in the presence of God, one can provide in the power of the Holy Spirit these gifts that come directly from God. Now, Catholics, we can turn to God, to Jesus, particularly to the Holy Spirit, to the Father. We can, we can petition God. But what does God want in us? He wants us to be one. Jesus said it in his, in his own word. He wants us to be one. That's why we turn through the intercession of the saints and why God provides favors through them so that oneness may be realized on earth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it's an act of, I think still humility, uh, the humility of Christ, um, 
the humility of God to honor, you know, I mean, I, one of the things about Our Lady of Guadalupe and, and all the miracles that came from that and, and just, continue just to the come power, from. yeah, mm-hmm. the power that's within that, the fact that he just chose to do this with his mother, you mm-hmm. know, to make his mother, I mean, he had full choice in, in how to do this and mm-hmm. he's used his mother so many times and, and he wants to honor these, these people to become saints. And, Amen. And he wants, wants our intercession. He wants to honor them. He wants us to be a family. Doesn't mm-hmm. any good father want their child to participate in the fullness of family life? Yep. And, and, to, and to participate in, in growing to that mature form of yeah. love? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's out of a property of God's mercy that yeah. we can offer our own sacrifices. We yeah. can offer our own service in the participation of the fullness of life. Yeah, and I would also say, too, like the miraculous uh, analyzations and things like that that go on, depending on the saint and the and the process and where they are. Um, you know, you look at like Fatima, and, and we talked about the scientific approach, and this this is a very stringent thing, you know. And, um, you know, you talk about Fatima and, and the, the millions of people that have been there and all the healings that have gone on. They've only credibly issued a statement on 80 people mm-hmm. in, what, almost 100 years, maybe over 100 years. Right. So, you know, there's countless more miracles there. But but the the way that they go about this process is very stringent. It's not like willy nilly, like, hey, did you pray to him? Yeah, you got a nice ankle now. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so I think that's good that you brought that up. So this is really the next step from, you know, having been declared venerable where people can seek your intercession to be then made to the next step, which is your beatification, making you a blessed. You need a one miracle recognized mm-hmm. by the church and the process like you're saying, to recognize these miracles is very regulated. Mm-hmm. It is very scientific. It is very legalistic. Mm-hmm. They do not make mistakes with mm-hmm. this because they know they cannot afford to make a mistake mm-hmm. with this. And most of the miracles that we're talking about, it's not exclusively restricted to medical miracles, but in greater part, it's a greater majority of these are all medically related. What are some examples of miracles that were not attributed to med- medicine. So here's a good example. So this is from the Dicastery of the Cause for the Saints. And so this would be for miracles that are not medical. Oh, there you go. So, you got it right from the horse's mouth. There. I do. So when it is a question of presumed miraculous cases that are not healings, for example, escape from danger, multiplication, etc. So say you fall out of a plane and you live, or say, you know, the, you're in a jail cell and the, the, the gates fall down and you get out. The congregation would then nominate a competent technical expert to look at the mechanical functionality behind this this particular thing. So you survive a car crash that you had no business surviving and didn't get a crash. Okay, they'll look at that. No, no. you didn't get a scratch, right? Oh, okay, gotcha. You know, or, uh, you know, there's a whole, you know, like an escape, like, uh, you know, Interesting. You know, you, you think of the apostles escaping prison. Yeah. You know, like that. that's nothing medical, but clearly like all of the bars of the doors in the no. jail, yeah. the jailer converts to Catholicism and, you yeah. know, like that's the, all of the fruits around it is like absolutely miraculous. Or, or things like multiplications, right? Like, uh, you know, like uh, saints like, well, I had a loaf of bread and now we got four, right? Oh. Or by locations. That's not medical, right? Oh. Or the gift of... You know, particular spiritual ecstasies, right? Those are not medical. What about like the appearance of that saint to someone? Has that ever occurred? Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Saw him, you know, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think one of the miracles of John Paul II was the lady was very sick. She was reading a magazine with a picture of John Paul, and she said that the image on the magazine of John Paul began to move and become, like, alive. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, there's a medical process, and they, they establish a whole board of medical experts who are competent, very competent very. medical experts. And they go through and they review this like you would at the Mayo Clinic. They have a board of doctors. They say, okay, this is the case. This is what happened. Here's all the medical charts. Here's what should happen. They have to have with 100% certainty that there is no way medically medically or scientifically that it could be explained. And the church, you know, absolutely advances this study to people who are non-religious experts and authorities in the field. That's right. Because they want to we they want somebody to attack it with that much fervor to discount or disprove the miracle. A hundred percent. And and sometimes if we if we don't look at that, we say, oh yeah, the church and its internal, you know, group and they really want to like, promote. Hey, I did a great job. I want to give myself a badge. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. no, the church thinks far beyond all of that. Or, or conversely, you got somebody saying, Hey man, this is a lot of work. Let's just go ahead and uh, yeah. <laughs> try to get this. Well, you know, honestly, a lot of saints don't get their causes advanced because either they come from a congregation that doesn't have the means to be able to do right. this, mm-hmm. or that they are coming from a poor area where they don't have the means to go through these yeah. kinds of investigations. Mm-hmm. You know? for, for a while in the church, there was uh, there was a whole uh, term for this, and, and it's going to be a term that everybody has heard, uh, the advocatus diaboli, which is the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the former official position within the Catholic Church, the promoter of the faith, who argued against canonization. Mm-hmm. So, Dang. you know, the devil's advocate, and I, I hear it a, a lot of times. Let's I don't, play devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't like it. I don't like it in any forms of committees. I do like presentations of reasonable, scientific, uh, you know, perspectives. You could, you could say it more professionally. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I don't like yeah, but, references. I, but I like that the real, the other technical term is the promoter of the faith, mm-hmm. right? And this yeah. is counter- this is countered by the Advocatus Dei, mm-hmm. which is God's advocate who is called the promoter for the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so the devil's advocate will go in and say, nah, man, this miracle didn't happen. Uh, or or say, well, you know, I mean, this guy kind of, you know, this saint was maybe a little bit too close with this woman. Let's look into this. Their job is to poke holes in this argument mm-hmm. and to try to find a reason that this person should not become a saint, right? <clears throat> like, for example, when they had, and again, this is not just people in the church. Like, when they were going through the cause of the canonization for Mother Teresa, they brought in, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Hitchens, who is like the world's, or was, he's passed away, the world's biggest critic of Mother Teresa. He's an atheist, he's a polemicist, and he would talk all kinds of stuff about how she was actually a wicked, wicked person. Wow. And they brought him into the Vatican. <laughs> That's how, I guess, important and thorough yeah, the process is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and open and fair. Yeah. You know, they're not just going to say, well, we really like her, so she's going to get the halo. No, they're like, take her biggest enemy and bring him in and let him talk all the smack he wants. And this, it is a judicial process. It like, really is. It, it is. it is very focused into the details of someone's life. That's why I don't have a chance. No. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe get a friend. Maybe get Tetlow on the congregation for the cause of the he saints. He could be my postulator. He really could. And I think it's good that you brought up postulator. Really, a postulator is the person who's guiding this process 
on behalf of the cause of the canonization. They're posturing your uh, canonization. And, and it's, on a, it's on a local level. Mm -hmm. So you have postulators, vice postulators, you have canon lawyers, you mm -hmm. have, you have uh, doctors, medical doctors, who are, who are really on the hist histor historical, historical end of it, but also the scientific end of it, so that you have a whole team of people kind of looking at every angle, angle and moving things forward from beginning to end. So, for example, you have St. Faustina's diary over there. Uh, my spiritual mentor and, and a father figure to me in the spirit was Father Michelenko. He was he was a postulator for the cause of of St. Faustina, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and was an expert in her diary. And her his sister, who was a religious sister as well, also had expertise and wrote volumes on her life and whatnot. So. You know, it's it. The whole life of a postulator is centered very devotionally and academically around the person's life. You know, and um, I think one more aspect to this, and we've been talking about the miracles because you need one miracle to become beatified, mm -hmm. become a blessed. If you are a martyr, the requirement for that first miracle is waived. waived yeah. You can immediately become a blessed if all the other steps check out. Now, you still will need a miracle to then become a saint, but you could automatically become a blessed if you were martyred. As a result of your martyrdom. That's right. And, and, and the process of like, like one of the ones that I thought was pretty interesting was, um, was Oscar Romero. They had to say, okay, was this a martyrdom or was he killed in, uh, I think they, they called odium fide in the hatred of the faith, which is another term that can get you through this process, or was he just killed in a political battle? So they had to really go through this and look at the kind of complexities and the nuance, was he a martyr for the faith or did he die in a in a secular struggle with the government? And they make mm -hmm. those distinctions. And then that would be associated with Blessed Stanley Rother as well. Yep. That's right. So now let's say that they they've they had a miracle, they were martyred and they moved past the stage and they are going to be beatified. They will now become blessed. Now, typically, you will have a big celebration in the church. You will have a mass celebrated. Like, for instance, uh, Benedict XVI celebrated the mass for the beatification of John Paul II. Uh, and now they will have a feast day associated with them. Now, it doesn't become a, a universal feast day. Then that feast day can still change when they're blessed. But now you have a feast day. Now you are officially commemorated in the calendar, um, and you are... Um, you know, that's that's the next step in the in that process. Does that where does that uh deprecate? D does it deprecate or are you once you're blessed? Once you're blessed, it doesn't go it, away. It's just not the canonization, it's more of the formality of the second miracle. And we, there's a lot of saints who were you know a blessed for hundreds of years. You know, you could you know, there's look saints. at Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Yeah. You know, I, I still remember being in a church, a small church leading up the hill to St. Rita of Cassia in Cassia, Italy, in Umbria, and one of my favorite places of prayer. And as I was walking up the hill, I went into this small side church, and it was kind of in disrepair, but it was still open for devotion. And I went to a side altar, and here's this image of blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, and I was growing in devotion to him at the time because I was hiking a lot and very active. I was a lot younger. Um, and he was such a great example of masculinity. And that's that's an important facet to this. When you're beatified, I mean, you can have the image of your personhood on display that's for right. public devotion mm -hmm. and veneration. Um, but he's he's his cause has been open for a long time. I mean, you call that a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, oh, some have been beatified all the way back in Pope Urban II. He's the one who started the uh, hundreds of years. Yeah, this he 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 died in 1088, and he's been a blessed now for 
There's so many popes. Over 100 years. There's yeah, popes there's who have so been blessed for 500 years, mm-hmm. you know? And okay. never canonized. Yeah, because either, you know, the time passes to where their particular local devotion passes and not less people are asking for maybe intercession. Mm-hmm. So there's less kind of, less and, pitches to hit, basically. And doesn't yeah. that tie into the, you know, prior to like the Middle Ages, the the, the initial movement of canonization and the recognition of saints and, and servants of God, you know, it was moved by the people. Mm-hmm. You know, it was moved by the, the populace that... Yeah. That they they turn to him like at, at some point Saint John Paul II is going to be like Gregory the Great yeah you know it's going to be you know Leo the Great at Catholic Church they're not gonna the, my kids kids are not gonna have you know that same type of sense of devotion even my little ones now like they're they didn't not grow going up to with JP two so it it depends on me to be able to present to them right. who Saint John Paul II like is. Who, who's out there asking for the intercession of Pope Saint Leo the Ninth. Do you even know anything about him? Yeah. But he's a saint. He's a pope. And as time moves on, you know, you want people that are immediate. You want people who you feel confident and related to to be able to make these intercessions. Now, you have saints that are great figures like St. Francis and St. John Paul II or or St. Peter or whomever that will always have, like, a very strong cultus around them. But some saints, they, you know, they're, I don't call them one-hit wonders, but they have their their well, day in the sun and devotion, and then it fades away. You know, the, the hope's still there because let I me mean, look at Saint Joseph and the resurgence of uh, oh, big time of that recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. mean, like globally, yeah, he's showing his hands powerfully. Dude. I know, yeah, I know. And, and, but the, to to your point too, it's like this this Brit. So from Saint Joseph, <laughs> the <laughs> Holy House of Nazareth. Like God and the power of the Spirit could start connecting all of these different yeah. saints. So you start entering more deeply into the calendar, and you realize, wow, this was a really powerful day. I wonder whose whose saint was who who is the saint of today's calendar in the yeah. church. Mm-hmm. And then you start learning about that person. You start developing a certain sense of devotion, and God is linking all of these people through this intercessory channel and commun and fellowship. He's creating that oneness again. Mm-hmm. So the exciting part about being a Catholic is we have incredible examples of all these saints throughout 2,000 years, and we could live our lives based on these interconnected links, right. and, and it connects us to Pope St. Urban the you know, second. second. Well, blessed Pope Urban the second. <laughs> so is it, just to reiterate. And then he could become a saint. Then he become a saint. <laughs> <laughs> you should read about him. So, uh, and what, you could read about what him. What you were saying is that uh, if you are a blessed, you can still get into the liturgical Absolutely, calendar. yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as part of you do like you, you literally get a date yeah yeah okay. yeah you get a date now here's an interesting and, and I think it's important to say too sometimes it's related to the day of your death that's probably priority numero uno if that date is occupied they may look at the date of your birth mm-hmm. or in in the instance of of JP two it's like the day that you were elected pope. Or, or with Paul the uh, Paul, I'm sorry, John the Twenty Third, the mm-hmm. date of the opening of the Second mm-hmm. Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of they try to make it a date that yeah. uh, you know Me- is relevant. It has meaning. Yeah. yeah. Now here's something interesting. There are blesseds, and there theoretically could be a blessed at any time who has two miracles but does not get declared a saint because to become a saint and move to the next step, you have to have a second miracle, right? But that second miracle has to come after. It has to occur after you're declared blessed. So let's say... Gotcha. So let's wow. say you get declared blessed by a miracle you did last year, okay, that happened last year. And then someone goes back and they discover 10 years ago there's a miracle. Now you have two 
miracles, yeah. but you don't. Can't can, count. It doesn't count because it has to happen afterwards. So you can have ten miracles. But if it doesn't have to afterwards, you'd be, you don't. Perfect, you'd be perfect to run this kind of stuff in the Vatican. Nope, nope, nope. nope. That was nope. Nope. I can't do it. It's one of his favorite favorite <laughs> sayings. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Bad idea. No. Nope. That's the via negativa, man. It's a tried and true principle. <laughs> it's a tried and true principle. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would just call that the avocados diaboli. Yeah, you're the avocados hankery, dude. <laughs> you're the hankies advocate. Um, so yeah, now, now let's Mole go. Hot. Yeah, so let's now go to that last step to the canonization, which is you're part of the canon of saints. Now mm-hmm. you have to have that second miracle. Now once that miracle is approved. Okay, this is a big day for you. You know, you are now getting that that ST before your name. Big. I, I don't think you can have a church named after a blessed, but mm-hmm. you can have a church named after a saint. Um, that's another big distinction. Of like you know, more honors. Yeah. Then you get a more um, a more fixed date in the calendar because sometimes a blessed might only have their you know their their date um, celebrated within the local calendar. So if you have a saint that's very particular, maybe to say India, and they become a blessed, it's not on the universal calendar of saints. It could just be it, it'd be there. local. Yeah, but I mean, when, if you think about how many people are blessed and how many saints there are, there's only 365 days. You know. How many, you know? Localizing is probably a good that, idea. That's why I shout out to Catholic.org, which I go to all great. the time. It's a great resource. And, you know, you'll open up a day and there's like 17, mm-hmm. you know, blessed and, and canonized saints. And, and to your day. point about uh, getting your name on a church, I, I think that's centered around the validity of this is actually a saint where, which will intercede for you as exactly. to a blessed where it's unknown, uh, and so you would, and that's why those two miracles are are essential in the process because it's the affirmation of the church through all of the scientific processing right. that this is this has been affirmed by God. Right. God has acted definitively through the intercession of this person mm-hmm. and clearly emphasizes this person's virtue and their communion and presence to God. You know, I think one of the things I wanted to go back to uh, this is a, this is a pretty cool um, distinction is that when when you're being canonized, they are definitively declaring you in heaven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When they de- when they're declaring you in uh, blessed, I th- it's either blessed or, or venerable, and someone can correct me. But one of those two steps, they are saying you are definitively at least in purgatory, mm-hmm. that you will eventually get to heaven. So it's one of those is a distinction where it's like this person has made it to at least purgatory to where they will eventually become in heaven. In, in other words, this person is not in hell. Exactly. So it's really a, de- <laughs> wow. it's a declaration that they're not in hell at one point. That's my goal. <laughs> yeah, shoot for the stars, man. You can be venerable right now. <laughs> Aim for heaven and you land in purgatory, right? Amen. Yeah. As long as I get in, man, I'm just trying to get in. How about that prayer on the? Uh, I'm the striving lit- for more, but like, Lord, help me. Yeah, the 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 prayer, the litany of humility. It's like, Lord, may others become holier Amen. than me, and me just become holy enough to get into heaven. Yeah, that's good enough. I'm that's, just looking to get in the back scary. door, dude. I don't need a big party. You don't need to get St. Peter's all back up. door. Yeah. 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 yeah, like I don't need this this whole party in the Vatican and I banners of me. Yeah, I need the grace like, of a happy death. I want the hey, St. Joseph. It's like how I mean? used to get in bars when oh, I was man. underage. Like you know, you know, a friend they get you in the back door yeah. and you get to go hang out <laughs> and watch a show. That. I'm I'll good with that. I'll probably see you there. I know. We'll probably be in purgatory next year. I'm like. 
and we'll probably keep each other. They're like, dude, shut up with your wailing and moaning. And then we're going to see, like, it's going to be this, like, loop where, like, dude, shut up. No, you shut up. And it's going to keep us there extra long. And I'll be, I'll be further down the line because it'll be like, you know, I got in trouble because I didn't get permission to be buried out at the rustic altar. No. You're going to be in purgatory a long time because you're going to keep putting out the purgative flames with your tears. <laughs> and you're not going to get that flame. Hey, if that purgation. offers consolation to others, I'm cool with that. Oh, man, that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, guys. <laughs> oh, see, I think our best bet, look, when we start getting really crusty and, like, you know, we know that the, you know, the door's closing, we might just have to go seek out a martyrdom, dude. I don't know if there's any I, other I, way. I, yeah, I yeah, think that might be It might just be, be the, the way. Although, if you go intentionally to seek martyrdom and get martyred. That's a true story. You don't actually get the credit for being a yeah, martyr. Yeah, that's a true story. Because, like, in the, like, you know, in the Middle Ages, a lot of Franciscans would go over to... Uh, Egypt mm-hmm. with you know the caliph and they would just like okay man I'm ready to smoke I'm Christian hey caliph you're a wiener butt and then like they get smoked and then it doesn't count right it's like you brought this on yourself <laughs> exactly like for example there was one saint um, they were they were burning him at the stake and he was so zealful for um, his martyrdom that he jumped into the fire. Mm. They didn't have to tie him. And there was a big debate as to whether or not he committed suicide. Mm. And eventually he was canonized. But, you know, because of his willingness to approach being burnt at the stake, mm. they're like, oh, let's, let's take a look at That's this. You know? And they're like, he wasn't getting out of it. They were mm-hmm. going to tie him. And he's just like, look, man, let's do it. I'm not afraid. Wow. So, so then let's say, you know. We get we get smoked or we jump into the fire willingly, then you know that's we get two just, miracles. Just we become a saint. For. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just something to look out for. That's it. Yeah, just, that's, yeah. Hey, keeping you guys informed. Let's you know? look out for these opportunities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you become a saint? Mm. Prayer, prayer, devotion, devotion, virtue. love of God and virtue. Yeah, how do you get declared a saint? That's what we covered. Yeah, and you know, talking of virtue, we can't go any further without recognizing the virtue that is building up in men that are practicing what Exodus puts out there, yeah. which are just such phenomenal programs for men. You know, from Exodus 90, the 90-day discipline leading up to Easter, to their 21-day programs, their 40-day programs, their biblically-based programs. They are helping men year-round enter into the ascetical life and become active members of their parish communities, focused fathers in their family life, and truly young men who are turning to this, preparing themselves for marriage or vocation to the priesthood. There's no greater program online. Exodus provides so many resources and a very structure and discipline of life that will produce great fruits. You know, I love reading the stories of saints, and you see some commonalities between them. And they, you start to almost say, look, man, these are the things that, you know, a, a good baseball player is always going to practice this and this and this. A good basketball player is going to do these drills. Well, you can start to see a pattern that a saint will do these particular things. And it's always asceticism, sacrifice, humility, and a love for Mary and the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, detachment from the world and all of its worries and concerns and things. And, That's and, like a and formula. Attachment to God. You know, we were talking about this earlier about how when you when you detach from the world, which, which Exodus does so well mm-hmm. in their program, and in fraternity too, you support one another, you, you're actually attaching yourself to God in prayer. That's right. So this is, there's a, a dual, you know, um, idea there. And like you said, if the, the saints, I mean, you know, they all practice this. They yeah. all practice asceticism. They've all given up things, suffered through things with the grace of connecting to God. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Exodus helps men do. It helps them get those ascetical practices. It helps them to get those fraternity and pray like a man should. So 
If you're interested and you know you want to be a saint, I should hope you do, this is one of those things that can help you establish those practices that are common to the lives of saints. So go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash Exodus 90 to download the app now. Now, now what, also, backs up, what backs up virtue is prayer. That's yeah. right. Prayer is that fundamental basis by which virtue builds up within the soul and one becomes active in the life of Christ. And for men and women out there, we want to encourage you to look into Hallow. Hallow is the number one prayer app online today, mm -hmm. and they have cataloged over 5,000 resources to help you in your prayer life. from Guided prayers. Guided prayer, from music to theological reflections to the most amazing Catholic speakers providing great content all in one Click of a button. Yeah, I mean, it's the most popular Catholic app for a reason. It's been downloaded over 3 million times by in 150 countries. They've had over a billion minutes of prayer prayed through this app. And if you're looking to increase your prayer life, we can't recommend it enough. So go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow to try out the app now. And if you decide to get a subscription, it's less than the cup of coffee a month. It's incredibly affordable and we can't recommend it enough. Um so those are some good resources to help you become saints. And then hopefully one day you can go through this process that we mm -hmm. just described. You know, we're grateful for the partnerships that we have and, you know, the partnerships that continue to grow online to provide that Catholic community that is clearly moving on the digital continent. Together, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we will continue to rise up and become more virtuous, more prayerful, and connected to God and to one another. You know, Rich? St. Therese of Lisieux, I, I got to share this quote. I, I really got to share this quote. St. Therese of Lisieux expressed, you cannot be half a saint. You must be a whole saint or no saint at all. And that's what it comes down to. It's striving after the fullness. I mean, we joke around, and, sure. and but, but like... We're 100% in on, on the faith, and, and we're trying to live that practice on a daily basis, and we need to grow, and we need to call each other out. And there's there's many times where we're calling each other out and and, and having those those uh, those conversations. And, you know, together, as we share with one another, we begin to hu be humble and take active steps in the spirit to become one. You know, Ryan, you said I'd be good at working on the dicastery for the cause of the canonization of the saints. One of the things that I would look for in their positio mm -hmm. would be, had they subscribed to the Catholic talk show, did they click that button? <laughs> because I think that there's a, there's a virtue in that in and of itself, because that shows that they have at least a desire for good Catholic and things. And if you ever get the cause for canonization and that's not in there, yeah. sorry, buddy. You're <laughs> and not if you find through. it, well, good. At least if I'm running it, which I don't care how many miracles you got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd say the second thing that I'd look for is were they generous and did they support good Catholic TV shows or even more generous supporting terrible Catholic TV shows like our own. And if you want to be generous, <laughs> make sure you go to catholictalkshow.com slash Patreon and we've got some great, very cool gear to send your way from coffee cups to hoodies and all sorts of cool gear and just to say thank you. You know, as we build out this show, there's going to be so many more needs as we expand our reach and expand our technology and our equipment. All this stuff costs and, and bringing in top-level speakers. We're looking forward to this next batch shoot of bringing in top-level Catholic speakers mm -hmm. to this ne these next episodes. So thank you for your support. Thank you for walking with us on the Catholic Talk Show, and we'll see you next week.